Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa and our guest, Naomi West. How are you all doing today? Hello, hello. (laughs) Doing good. Good. Can't complain. Well, I'm going to ask for more details than that. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a little, yeah, uneventful and exciting. Yeah, we're fine. The day is fine. We feel Um, like it should be Friday. Yeah, it's one of those days. Yeah. One of those days. It really is. I feel like summer, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, I just want to be outside. Yeah. It's strange to yeah. just be on the computer all day. I know. <laughs> Vancouver has this weird thing. I'm from Vancouver and they have this weird weather thing where every May it gets like nice and warm and I'm like, summer's here. And then June comes around and it's like January. Mm-hmm. Like it's cold. I've got wool socks on. I've got a blanket. Like I'm putting my AC away that I pulled out. I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm back in kind of like a seasonal depression area where I'm like, oh, it's going to be great for another month. And I thought I was in summer, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm just uh, a little bit south of you in Tacoma, Washington. So I'm not. Uh, Okay. So you get it. I'm not far away. Although I will say this is, I keep saying this to people and I feel like a broken record and I'm probably driving people crazy, but I cannot go over how nice this spring has oh, been yeah. compared to last. Last spring was, I know. we bought a boat last spring and it was the most miserable purchase I've ever made <laughs> because we did not hit over 70 degrees in Washington until July 6th. Yeah, it was a, it was horrible. It was a slow burn there. I was like, yeah. where are we ever going to get summer? And then summer lasted until like October. Yep. Yep. I was living my best fall. I know. There was no like... It was great. Rain boots. I was like in summer clothes. It was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Alyssa, where are you based? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. So... I've heard amazing things. It's nice. This is perfect time. Like it's hot, but it's still bearable. Okay. But here in like a couple months, it's going to be so hot that I actually can't probably go outside (laughs) and so humid. Yeah. Okay. But right now it's wonderful. So maybe at some point I'll go work outside so that I don't feel so cooped up. What's it like? We'll see. Being able to work outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Probably more days of the year than the two of us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can't complain. Melissa, you need to boat up to Naomi sometime. Yeah. I know. We actually, my husband and I did our engagement trip up to Victoria. So we boated up there. So it would just take a little bit. Yeah. Just a little hop over. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fun. I need a boat. Fun. Yeah. We all need a boat. We all need a boat. It makes you friends. It makes you feel like you have a lot of friends. So that's helpful. (laughs) That's true. That would be nice. Yeah. I'd get a boat, get all of new friends coming out of the woodwork. There you go. Want to get on my boat. Yeah. Okay. What's up? (laughs) That's so funny. We just got a pickup truck and I'm like, who's going to come out of the woodworks? Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah. You always want a friend with a truck. You're helping a lot of friends move. Yep. Someone's going to need to move. Yep. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Anyways, I guess we'll get to email stuff now. Welcome, Naomi, to the podcast. I 
would love for you to introduce yourself so that I don't butcher it. And I know that you (laughs) have a lot of experience in email. So I want to make sure we cover everything. So tell us about yourself. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Naomi. I like to refer to myself now as just like a career email marketer, lifecycle marketer person. I've been doing it since 2015. I was on a really small little startup myself and two others in Vancouver. And I thought I discovered email automation. I was wearing so many hats at the time and I came across this tool that would allow me to send emails automatically based on like trigger events. I'm like, oh my God, like this is amazing. It's going to save me so much time. People are replying to me being like, hey, Naomi, so sorry, I missed your email. And I was like, ha like I got you. I didn't send that. <laughs> and I've really been doing it ever since. I am based out of Vancouver, Canada, but I've lived in the UK out of London as well. And I've worked both kind of in-house at ESPs as well as in-house as a lifecycle marketer. And I do quite a bit of freelance work on the side, which allows me to dig my hands into other tools and other demographics and smaller businesses and larger businesses and keeps it exciting. So yeah, I don't have a ton of hobbies. I just do email. It's just, that's my personality at this point. That's amazing. They're talking to the right people then. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. And I think lifecycle marketers are like the coolest <laughs> people. We just got a lifecycle marketer at ConvertKit. Her name's Caitlin Olson. And she is like a wizard. She is. It's crazy. Like all the stuff you all can do. She's amazing. Yeah. Like I just feel like you guys are so smart about what customers are like, you know, what the subscribers want, how mm-hmm. to deliver the right message at the right time after the right event happens. It's just... I love it. I, you know, I love email, but I'm not definitely not a pro in <laughs> lifecycle marketing. And I just think it's the coolest thing. I like view lifecycle as this almost like long-term game with different levels. I remember in one job interview, I was like, I view it as Super Mario where I'm going and I, you know, hit the block and then I consume the mushroom and I double in size. That's how I feel when I've structured like a lifecycle program <laughs> yeah. where someone's reached a conversion event and now they're like, the better customer that I'm like trying for everyone to be like, it feels it's like this weird fulfilling gamification thing that I get from I can't even the imagine. dashboard. Yeah. Yeah. To like see this thing you've built and like, you're like, Oh, they went through this flow and they, yeah. you know, they got this email and then they bought this thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that oh, must feel so good. It's a great feeling. I wish everyone was as excited about it. as me. <laughs> <laughs> My poor partner is always like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm like da 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 da, da and I just get the okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Is it weird as like a consumer of email to be receiving emails and you're like, ah, oh, I see what they did here? Or you're like, or is that just fun to observe what other people are doing? I am so hyper focused on my inbox. Like once a week, actually throughout the week, I'll start emails that I'm so interested in, like digging into a little bit further, whether it's I saw something on mobile that I liked and I want to inspect it on desktop or vice versa. And then once a week, I'll go through all of my starred emails and spend probably like an hour to two hours saving them and looking at the code and putting them. I have like a G drive of just email screenshots of when I want to use them for examples and presentations. So I definitely think I'm like a more hyper-focused consumer compared to the average folk, but I love it. I (laughs) actually will reply to a lot of emails being like, I loved this or like, this was inaccessible and here's why. And (laughs) I don't know how well that feedback is received, but 
yeah, it's fun being a consumer who is obsessed with email and even with like in-app messages and push notifications. Cause I've owned those as well in roles. I will be like, Oh, I received this push. I wonder what the corresponding email will look like to like back up the same message. It's nuts. It's not That's so normal, fun. but it is fun. <laughs> I think you ended up in the right yeah. job. So that's, I mean, that's good at least to know that. I tried to get into marketing in university for like three years straight. And the business school of my university like rejected me for three years straight. And I was like, well, I guess I'll do an arts degree and I will write a lot of papers. And then I graduated and I immediately did marketing. And here I am. That's so amazing. That's awesome. A degree can't stop you. Proving it to them. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I mean, I didn't even know what deliverability was until that's the thing. <laughs> later. So <laughs> in yeah. high school, I feel like it was like, do you want an arts degree or do you want a science degree? I didn't know what computer science was mm-hmm. or engineering, like any of those things. I felt like I had two paths to go down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's so many little niche, niche careers out there that they don't talk about in high school. I know. Which is fair. It's insane to think about just like all the little yeah, careers that we didn't know about and how we all landed into the ones we're in. Yeah. I always think that with Melissa and I am like, yeah. how did we get here? I know. We're talking about emails going to the spam folder. Yeah. Email is such a fun one because no one has the same path. Mm-hmm. And we've all landed here. And the people that are showing up in the email space are so passionate about it. Yes. Yeah. I never speak to someone who's like half interested in email. I either like never hear of someone because they don't care about email or I hear about someone and they love email. So true. There's no in between. Yeah, that's very true. So interesting. And other industries are not like that. No. You know, at least the ones I've been in. So it's a very interesting observation. I don't know why we're this way. I don't know. Maybe because we all, maybe it's our ages too. Like, although there are people obviously in all ages, but I think especially for us three, like we grew up when email was so new yeah. and I remember sending them to friends in like middle school and oh, yeah. thinking it was the craziest thing in the world. I know. That's so true. Hmm. Who knows? But today, speaking of like technology and new things, we're going to talk about AI, which we haven't talked about on this podcast yet. So I'm really excited to get into it. So we're going to basically talk about how to use AI when writing your newsletter or should you use AI? I guess we can get into that some. But I'm curious for you to have you played around with any AI tools and what do you think? Yeah, I I have this weird thing with AI where... I have days where I want to lean really heavily into it and other days where I'm like, it is way too much work to lean into. Mm -hmm. Like it is pitched as this like time saving, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to call it, feature tool way of working. It's pitched as time saving. And I spend so long sitting in front of chat GPT being like, everyone's using it. (laughs) How should I be using it? What question do I need to ask? Why does the output sit so far from what I needed it to be. Right. And I spend, I just spend way too much time, I guess, trying to adopt it. Mm-hmm. But that for me is like, when I think of AI, I think of chat GPT. And then when I zoom maybe out and look at it from a wider lens, I'm like, there are actually AI tools that I have ingrained in my workflow and I'm not even realizing it. Like Grammarly, mm. they're telling me what my tone is. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to sound like that. I better, <laughs> I better switch it up. And I don't even realize that it's AI at the time. I'm like, it's just Grammarly. Right. It's just Grammarly. And then Loom is 
a tool that I use consistently every day. I only communicate in Looms, me and my team. It's just looming back and forth instead of hopping on Zoom calls. <laughs> and they will auto summarize like my call description and label the call title. And that was the light bulb moment I had the other day where I was like, I guess this is AI. Like I'm not titling my call and I'm not creating this description. It's reading the transcript of what I've said and it's coming up with this bite-sized little description. So I think trying to adopt AI that isn't necessarily part of my workflow has been really difficult for me. But when I zoom out, I'm like, oh, there are already these pieces of AI built into what I'm working on. I don't even realize it. Hmm. That's so interesting. It is. We This is coming at such a good time to talk about this today because we had a, an all-team call today that was just kind of talking about uh, AI. So I missed it. So I want to hear what you think. Yeah. I, I think similarly, like some of the questions were, how are you all using AI in your work, your everyday work? Is it helpful? How do you think, you know, is this something that other people can use that they're not thinking about it? And I think in regards to like chat GPT, one of the things that came up was similar to what you said, Naomi, which is you can't just go to, it's not like a, like a fortune teller. Like you can't just go to it and be like, I need help with this thing and not have like a really good, starting point. And even still, like you have to sort of ask more questions, reframe, reframe to kind of get to where you want it to be as far as like, you know, writing something for you or helping you edit something. Mm -hmm. And then there was, you know, this other side of it, which was a lot of us have to write a lot and create articles and content. And it just, sometimes you sit there in front of a blank page and you're like, I have to write that first word. Yeah. And chat GPT, you know, you, you, add information in and it helps you start a prompt so that you're not writing from this blank page. So I think there are aspects like that, but it's so, it's still so new to so many of us in our workflows that it's so hard to figure out how is this actually going to save me time and will it even save me time? Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. There's so many parts of what a lot of us are doing every day that probably, you know, incorporate AI, but yeah, it was an interesting conversation this morning, just seeing how people are starting to use it and if it's helpful. And for some people, it's saving them a lot of time because they know exactly what they need to, you know, incorporate and add that it spits back what they need. Yeah. I also, I spend so much time writing and I never thought, I don't know, for some reason when I was like starting out my email career, I was like, I don't think I'll be writing that emails because I'm not a writer. Like I'm not a copywriter. I'm not good with my mm-hmm. words. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm spending 90% of the day writing. Like I, I just am my default writer now. And sometimes when I go to chat GPT or the other like solutions in the market, I, again, I just completely suffer from writer's block and it's things like mm-hmm. the questions to ask that I'm lost on. And I've played around with some tools. They'll have like a subject line generator AI tool built in. And it will just be so far from the brand Mm. and the voice and tone that I'm like, I struggle with using, Mm -hmm. I think, like fully fledged writing tools in any form. I do really like, I use Notion as like my project management, I guess, tool. And their AI has been really helpful because they have all these prompts. Mm. So it'll be like, write a blog post, start a checklist, and so I will lean on that to do like blog post formats and like project checklists. I'll be like, create a checklist that has requirements of posting on social once a week and writing a blog post and come up 
but give me what I need to do to complete this project. And it does it. And so I think I like to lean on AI for maybe like the outlines mm-hmm. and not the in-between content. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's where I would lean more yeah. towards too. I have a hard time like setting myself up for success in chat GBT and, and I find myself instead like quizzing it yeah. to, like about like deliverability. I, I treat it like another person. Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see how well, you know, deliverability. Yeah. Let me just add this thing in. Have you done that yet, Alyssa? It's so funny. I did it about random stuff. I think I like asked it a question about this podcast or something. It was so wrong. It said it was hosted by two different people. Like I know who the people are, but they're not us. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it just like didn't know some weird factual information. But I have, I guess the two things I've done with it are like what we're talking about writing. And I have very similar experience, like for the things that went well. And I was like, oh, actually that's great. I had to do so much front end work to Mm -hmm. get chat GPT to like spit out what I needed. Like it was a good exercise for me though, to figure out how to make it do what I wanted it to do. And I think I read a tip online somewhere about how to do it. And I essentially was like, in a second, I'm going to ask you to write an email, but first I'm going to give you a lot of context. And I like went into a whole thing. I was like, we're convert kit, we're it email platform for creators. And I want to send an email to customers who haven't engaged in like however much time and I want to offer them a gift or whatever. So I gave it tons of information and then was like, okay, now spit out the email. And the first one it spit out was pretty good, but I like had some tweaks and I just had a sentence. I was like, can you make this feel more like celebrating them for being a customer instead of like focusing on their inactivity? And it did tweak it really nicely. Mm. And I ended up using that email. It was great, but it took time. Mm -hmm. It was definitely like, I don't know if I got a time saver and it was kind of more of a fun exercise for me. Mm -hmm. So it's not something I do regularly. But one thing I'm really interested in starting to do more that I haven't done enough of is use it like a search engine. So kind of what um, we've talked about. But one thing I messed with, so our um, ConvertKit retreat that's coming up soon is in Paris, which I'm so excited what? about. Paris? I know. France. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. my God. Yes. I know. I've never been. So uh, back in the day, it's been a while, I asked ChatGPT, I was like, create a three-day itinerary for Ooh. someone who's never been to Paris and like, here are the things I like. I, you know, I want to go to a spa. I want to whatever. Like, tell me what hotel to stay in. And I honestly don't remember what it said, but it seemed pretty good. So I would love to use it more almost like an assistant in that way of like, Mm. yeah, I don't know why I always jump to the creative stuff first of like, write this newsletter, Mm. write this blog post. Because like you're saying, I think that it's not great at that yet, at least Mm -hmm. for what I need. But I would love to use it more like an assistant where I can. Yeah, that's a good point. There's so many different ways of adopting it. I feel like Mm -hmm. I go on LinkedIn and I read all these articles and it all all it's about is like time saving and creating content. Mm -hmm. And it's the niche examples that I think I would use it for. If I could Mm -hmm. in my email tool type in, create an automation that has like three touch points across seven days. Can you build that out for me? I would use that. Mm -hmm. I don't need it to write my email copy. I need it to do all these drag and drop things that I... Yeah, the little tasks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I know that... I like that. I've used it a couple times for like reformatting CSVs, which is the 
bane of Ooh. my existence. I don't know. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> I don't know where I went wrong with Excel, but me and Excel have never gotten along. And <laughs> you know, you always put on your resume, like when you're in your early career, like proficient in Excel. That was the biggest lie. <laughs> that was the biggest lie I've ever told. I've never been proficient in Excel. My spreadsheets look horrible. <laughs> but thanks to ChatGPT, they're like, okay, now. They're like somewhat okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried that yet. So I can go in and I don't know, maybe it's simple stuff that if you're listening to this and you're like, she's an idiot, just no. reformatting mm-hmm. and adding attributes and especially mm-hmm. for email, I'll like sort by engagement or like customer data that I already have on them and make them give me new Excels. And I don't know. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> That's so smart. I have not like joined those two worlds yet of Excel and Chad GPT, mm-hmm. but I know like I've heard it's great for engineers, like figuring out code that they've mm-hmm. yeah. run into issues with. So that's just so crazy. One of our team members, Derek, actually used used it to help with some like graphs that he that he charts that he came up with. And it was, he said it was, it saved him like five hours. So I think in that yeah. particular setting, I could see that being helpful. And like, I'm similar to you, Naomi. I'm horrible with Excel. <laughs> Alyssa, Alyssa is a wizard in Excel. It's like, where did you learn, Alyssa? Like, where do you pick up these skills? I honestly don't know. I feel like it's just like, I really like math. I like oh. coding kind of things. So it feels like that to me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Melissa doesn't like those things. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, but I hate writing. So okay, yeah, we're a good pair. I follow yeah. so many TikTokers that are like Excel. I've m- tried to make it like Ooh. make yeah it more visible as to like how I can mm-hmm. learn formulas and stuff. And so I follow like the spreadsheet girl and stuff on TikTok. That's and cool. every time she does something, I'm like, I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> and then I forget it. Yeah. But it's tough. Maybe it's because I don't like math. That's probably it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just think it's fun, but I hate writing. Like that's why I, I will definitely go to chat GPT and be like, if I have to write a new newsletter, I'm like, write me a newsletter about, you know, automatic clicks and email and blah, 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 blah. And it'll at least give me a starting. Yeah. I hate the blank page. Yeah. It's so hard for me. Yeah. I do love the idea of, because one thing that I think is really challenging, I love writing. And I think one thing when you are, especially for work, like when you're stuck in a certain mindset and you're really trying to go outside of that to make something better or change the voice, especially like just day to day, I think that can be really difficult. So Mm -hmm. your example, Alyssa, of saying like, can you, here's my, my email to this group of customers. Can you make this less formal or more celebratory or whatever? Like, I think those that would be really helpful because I struggle with that. Like I will be so stuck in like a certain Mm. voice and I cannot figure out what words to change to make it seem Mm. a certain way. So I actually think maybe I'll try using it for that next time. That's a great, a great point. I feel like when I'm writing, I'm like a novel writer. I'm like, how much information can I give (laughs) in this email to my boss or an email to subscribers or like notes to myself? Like I overtalk. I overspeak in my email. So I have used chat GPT to like tighten it up. Yeah. Yeah. To property management or like my manager, like mm-hmm. <laughs> make me sound professional and concise. Like I don't need all these adjectives or like exclamation points or like side yeah. notes about my life. Like I can delete those, but <laughs> I need someone else to do You're it like, for me. It was me. a chilly day. Yeah. I was drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the noise from the apartment above me was so loud. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> 
I'm like, just say it's loud. Cut it off. <laughs> I love <laughs> Just that. say they're annoying. Yeah. Can you do something yeah. about it? <laughs> Two sentences. Chat GPT is like, you don't need much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts. So at least a lot of the really creative people I know, whether they're like musicians or, you know, creators who are writing newsletters. And let's say like they make their earning from their newsletter. I feel like there's been so much talk about when you should use AI, mm-hmm. what's that going to be like? Is it going to take over everything? I have multiple friends who make a living as musicians. They're kind of freaking mm-hmm. out because now AI is like making music mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm not going to have a job. And I, I, I don't know if I'm accurate, but I'm always like, no one's going to want to listen to robot music. Like no matter how good so it funny. is, like <laughs> I want a human. Music of AI is like just robots being like, beep, boop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know if that's true, but like, I guess maybe I'm optimistic, but I am curious, like, let's say someone has a newsletter and they decide from today on AI is going to write all my newsletters. How do we feel about that? Like, do we think it would go well? Do we think it wouldn't? I'm just curious what you all think about it. That's so tough. You could tell me right now, like, Hey, Naomi, did you know like 50% of the newsletters you receive are AI? If you knew which ones were AI Mm. or not AI, would you like unsubscribe or stop? reading them. Mm. And I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I struggle with this one as well. I think the, it's the photo creation AI thing that confuses me a little bit. I think Amnesty International, like a month ago, put out some political unrest piece about protests that were going on in whatever country they were referencing. But the image was AI created. Ooh, interesting. And the comments on this Instagram post were just like, this is the worry with AI, right? Because once something goes viral, Mm -hmm. is it real or is it fake? And for a group like Amnesty International that sits on the pillar of we're reporting on Mm -hmm. actual information Mm -hmm. and real facts to use an AI image is so opposite from what it feels like their values are. So my thing is I'm definitely worried about the photo stuff because I can't tell real from fake at all. And like, is the shirt red or is the shirt blue? Like, was it Photoshopped? I mean, I know these things are happening already with Photoshop, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a scary, I don't know. Maybe it's not scary. It's just uncomfortable. And I think we need to be more maybe understanding of like what's been distorted when we compare ourselves and our own creations to what we see on the internet. But the newsletter thing is interesting. I don't know if you were to tell me like I know. this newsletter is not written by a real person. Do you want to unsubscribe? It makes me wonder. Yeah. Like, you know how sometimes you'll see at the bottom of an email, it's like sent from my iPhone or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder if there'll be a new thing where like at the bottom of an email newsletter, people are like, this was not, you know, this didn't use AI at all or Mm -hmm. something where it's like Mm. creative people are being transparent in like saying like, I haven't used AI Mm -hmm. on this. Or are we all going to embrace it and be like, who cares? Like use AI. I don't know. I feel like it could go in so many different directions. Yeah. And it's so challenging the way it makes you think about everything. Because I feel like I'll start to go, I'm like, oh yeah, like this kind of freaks me out. But also like, we're free thinkers. We still have like creativity that I do think that's like one aspect we were kind of talking about today in our team call was like, it's not giving you the like human emotion necessarily that comes with, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like 
when you write something passionately, like when you are like really excited about something or you're really, you feel really strongly about something, like I'm, we're not sure that AI is going to capture that like human writing will, but there's the whole copyright thing too, which is really interesting to me Yeah, about, you know, people have felt that way for a long time about the internet. Like we, you know, we've even seen in like compliance situations, someone reach out and say, hey, this person is sending all of my same content. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? And it's just a really weird line to ride, like to figure all of that out. And that's one thing that I'm really interested to see how that will go with like copyright stuff and yeah, related to newsletters and all of that. So there's, so there's a lot. And I think we'll continue to see, you know, news stories come out about, I was thinking about the image that you were talking about. And like, there was one, you know, really controversial one that came out with the Pope. Mm. Um, and there was, you know, stuff going on with a designer that had been involved in some things and he was wearing the the coat yeah. of that designer. And, you know, so you just, and it, and it was just, sparking this like such anger with people but it wasn't real yeah and it's just it's scary I don't know I do think that's a little scary yeah there's so many heated discussions around AI I kind of think of it in the same I guess like controversial space as like data collection Mm. because me as a marketer I'm like give me your data so I can create like really cool email campaigns and not (laughs) yell at you these broad messages yeah and I know both my parents are like oh Naomi, like that's not, we do not want to be sharing our data. Like they're not, I don't think they're down for data sharing, but me, I'm like, take my data. Like if you're watching what I'm doing on the internet, like whatever, I'm so like on the opposite of like, you'll get better ads. If TikTok's watching, great. They know that I love shopping online. They know that I'm buying (laughs) these products I don't need. Like, what are they going to do with that? Fine. Yeah. So Yeah, it's just this really interesting controversial space where as a marketer, I see so much benefit in certain ways. But as a consumer, I'm like, ooh, it's kind of odd. Like, am I going to be tricked into purchasing something because of fake reviews or fake images? But as a marketer, I'm like, this could be good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I can't decide a stance on it. The artist and creative space upsets me a little bit Mm -hmm. because from the artist perspective, I'm like... That is kind of sad that you are putting time and effort into creating like a beautiful piece and then what a computer creates something similar, like, you know? Yeah. And they might've used your piece as like an input to train AI, which is like crazy. Yeah. And I wonder, speaking of copyright, like if I were to go on Notion, for example, and say, write a blog post about deliverability. And Melissa went on her notion and said, write a blog post about deliverability. And we both posted our blogs. Like, are they going to be identical or, you know, and then in that case, it's weird. Like, well, who, Mm -hmm. whose is it? Is it mine or is it Melissa's? And how do we confront that? So yeah, I think that that's super interesting. And at least I don't know what our listeners are thinking, but my take from this is like AI, at least right now, shouldn't or isn't the best way to like put out Mm -hmm creative like quality output without any sort of like tweaking or customization or you know you can't just say hey do this and and the fact checking too like put it out there yes right are you just taking a blog post that this ai tool has spat out of you and saying yep that's true there are no problems with this because ai knows everything and Mm -hmm. i should just trust it or are you going through like the line items and making sure that 
the facts that you are going to be delivering to your audience are actually true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because that takes time. Apparently, I thought that someone else was hosting this podcast, not Alyssa and I. So exactly. It's why I don't even remember. Yeah. I was like, why would you think these two people? It was strange. So yeah, it doesn't know everything, which is good to remember. And I do think also I was kind of quizzing it like you did, Melissa, about like deliverability facts. And I was like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. I think it said something about avoiding spam trigger words or something. And I was like... You're looking at some old data. You're yes. Some old <laughs> stuff. Well, and that's the thing. It's taking these massive data sets and it's, mm-hmm. and that's what we were kind of learning a little bit about today this morning was like, how is it? It's like predicting like the next word in the sentence and it's like trying to figure out. So if you have like the basketball player moved or whatever, and then there was nothing, it's going to take probably basketball as the first like main word, but there's so many ways that like the human mind could change that sentence. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we were talking about was like, it's smart in the sense that it can do something very quickly from a very large data set, but that doesn't mean that it's always correct or that it actually knows what needs to happen next, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So, Hmm. yeah, that's a good point. I wonder what that's going to, what's going to happen with ESPs, so email providers. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to want to add AI to any like tool right now to look innovative, Mm -hmm. which I get. Like it sounds really fun and fancy to be like, so-and-so ESP has an AI tool. Yeah. But what does that actually look like? What's actually helpful? And I loved your example, Naomi, about, you know, setting up a sequence or an automation and kind of doing tasks that would normally be really manual for you, you know, making those seamless, but letting you still be in charge of the creative aspects. Yeah. The ESP thing is so interesting because I feel like, I don't know, AI is just such a hyped up topic. I felt like six months ago it was like NFTs and now it's AI. I'm so confused. (laughs) But every ESP is like, we have this new AI copywriting feature and they're just playing catch up with one another. Yeah. But I'm like, are people using it? Like, give me some numbers here. How many people Mm. create subject lines with AI? And what are some other AI things that I've seen in ESPs? I don't know if this is AI or just like data collection, but send time optimization where it will create like predictive Mm -hmm. send times based on past customer behavior. So if I guess the tool has seen that you've clicked on emails primarily around 2 p.m. every day, it will send the email that you're scheduled to receive at 2 p.m. That one could be interesting. But again, like, is that AI or is that just like machine learning? I have no idea. I honestly don't know the difference half the time. (laughs) But yeah, it'd be great. It would be great if I could just set up my automations based on some prompts. That's what I would use. Yeah, that's really interesting. I also think about probably like newer creators who maybe like the the mid-sized creators who have like a list, they have an email list, but they're just kind of getting started setting up their like systems. And it'd be really cool if there was a way for you to like tell it, you know, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. These are the systems I want to put into place. Like, how do I start? And then have it be able to create like the automation for you and then be like, here are some ideas. Like, here are some alternate ideas for like different paths your customer could go down or whatever for people who, because I think that's something too, like that a lot of people run into. They, you know, let's say you have an article, it goes viral. And now all of a sudden you have a huge following, like you have all these subscribers. 
that's really overwhelming. And it it would be so cool if someone had an AI tool to help them Mm -hmm. navigate that so that they could be organized and figure out how to set up all of those different paths. Yeah. I had a actually like a potential freelance client reach out and she was like, I have a small email list. I want to set up automations. Like, can you do an audit to kind of tell me what I should be doing? And I was like, don't think you need an audit if you don't have anything going on. Like you just got to set up the basics at this point. Mm-hmm. She's using Clavio, so I think luckily Clavio does hopefully guide you with a lot of the out of the box templates that you can use. But I was like, mm-hmm. welcome email, abandon cart, post purchase, thank you. Maybe a browse abandon and like a birthday series. But that would be great. Like if she could literally say, oh, yeah. I'm an e-commerce direct to consumer business. Right. I have this demographic. On average, someone will purchase from me once a year or twice a year, mainly gifts for others, something like that. And then they just spit out what you should do. And even maybe like pulling your website branding and create templates like that. Like that would be huge for small businesses. Yeah. You saying that made me think, I'm like, I hate to put myself out of a job, but it kind (laughs) of would be amazing if in an ESB, there was like a little deliverability Um, assistant that you can open and be like, how could I optimize my deliverability? mm -hmm, And it would be like, okay, running a check, you know, here's what you need to do with authentication. Or I noticed that you have, you know, 30% of your subscribers haven't opened in this amount of time. Mm -hmm. Let's send them this email to re-engage them and then clean them out. Like, I could see a world where that is kind of the role that AI plays as like this consultant or assistant mm-hmm. that normally you would have to pay someone a lot of money for that sort of advice. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of built for you. Yeah. It'll be interesting though, because I do sometimes feel like you can have all the prompts in the world in the tool and people will be like, I don't know what to do next. That's so true. <laughs> It's those like yeah. product checklists. Yeah. When I open an account with a new tool and like I'm constantly signing up for stuff because I'm like, I have to stay up to date. I will see the checklist and I'll be like, I want a human to show me. Yeah. I need a human. Yeah. The checklist isn't doing yeah. it for me because I'm confused. Yeah. I need someone <laughs> to hold my hand. So I feel like there's going to be a mix of like self-serving people who are like getting on fine right now and they'll love like the... Mm-hmm. AI consultants. And then there's people like me that just need like a human sometimes, just a little mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. That's such a good point. I tend to think that everyone is like super, super tech savvy and like, you know, self-serve. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the days where I worked phone support and I'm like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Yeah. That would never work. <laughs> like, it's never going to happen. No. Most people I think do enjoy talking to a human and having someone walk them through yeah. something. So that's a good perspective. Yeah. Well, we are about out of time and you're such an email pro. I hate for us to only talk about AI. So our audience, you know, is mostly creators who have, some have newsletters, some do have more of like a typical business and they're doing lifecycle marketing kind Mm -hmm. of thing on their own. So I would love if you just have any like pro tips that you would give to someone who is trying to you know, run their own business. Mm-hmm. They're probably their own accountant. They're their own, yeah. you know, creative. And they also are trying to have a really great email program. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I guess like my biggest piece of advice and learning over the years is like all the channels are so interconnected. I have a someone that I discovered on TikTok who has created this presence for herself as a like financial expert. And 
if it wasn't for her TikTok, I wouldn't have discovered her Instagram. And if it wasn't for Mm. Instagram, I wouldn't have discovered her email newsletter. Mm. And if it wasn't for her email newsletter, I wouldn't have purchased her course, like her course that she leads on financial advice. And it's just this like completely interconnected space. So when you are sending email, you kind of have to be cognizant of what's going on on your other channels, as well as recognizing that email is not just you, I guess. The inbox is so overwhelmed these days with senders. Everyone's doing email. So just being aware that you're not like the only individual in the space, but you can still provide unique value. And then the other thing is probably just like, don't lose sleep over email. That's my biggest thing. I, you know, we're not saving lives. (laughs) I'm doing email (laughs) and it should be this fun marketing channel for people. So yeah, just take it lightly, I guess, when you're working on something or you're feeling frustrated, it shouldn't be something that, that stresses you out. I love that. I need to put that on my wall. I tell that to all my new managers. I'm like, look, yeah. I just want to set some expectations. I will not be losing <laughs> sleep over my job. That's so helpful. Yeah. I need that advice. That is great. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. And I love what you said about like the channels because oh, it's so crazy how sometimes I don't connect like the way I behave as a consumer mm-hmm. with the way I'm helping creators mm-hmm. at ConvertKit and like, yeah, I do that all the time. Like when I'm scrolling TikTok and I see someone I like, mm-hmm. usually it's like, wow, that chocolate chip cookie recipe is amazing. Yeah. I'm obsessed with what they're mm-hmm. posting. And I'm like, why oh, don't they have an Instagram? Yes. And I go to their Instagram. Yeah. And then I'm on their Instagram and they're like, want to receive newsletters in your inbox? I'm like, like yes, know, you know, with yeah. more cookies. Yeah. Boom. And I, yeah, that's just such a good call out because that's exactly how I behave. So that yeah. means, and that's how you behave. Like, yeah, that's what we're all doing. Yeah. You look at, I think email is such a silo sometimes when you're doing it day in, day out, or you're trying to think of like, what content do I need to produce over email to wow my subscriber base? And you forget like where the subscriber base has come from or like how they're interacting with just owned and social channels. Yeah. So good. Um, where can people find you and hear more from you? Yeah. So I love Twitter. Who knows how long that will be around for, but uh, you can find (laughs) me on Twitter, email from Naomi. And I also have an email specific Instagram email from Naomi. And I send a newsletter called slow emails. And I've labeled it that because it's super slow and far and few between, even though I preach like send with a predictable cadence. I'm over here. Like it's fine. If you make it apparent, then they're (laughs) going to be very slow. I love that so much. Me too. I recently subscribed and it's so good. Oh, good. And I love that you called it out because I do the same thing. <laughs> it's so good though. And I, yeah, I get on this podcast. I'm like, sin consistently, mm-hmm. you know, you know, set up your cadence, make sure you hit it. And then I'll mess a week yeah. on my newsletter. And I'm always like, no one notices. And then last time I missed one, someone messaged me on Twitter and was like, are you still sending your newsletter? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's hard. Oh no. You've got people to hold you accountable now. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. I try to practice what I preach, but stepping into the shoes of my own audience, I'm like, it's hard. Yeah. Predictable cadences are hard and content creation is hard. Maybe I will turn my newsletter into AI. It'll be fast emails, but done with AI. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to the there real me or not the real me. <laughs> I love it. And I love that you just called it out so people know. Okay, yeah. Slow emails. Thanks. It's great. Yeah, this was great. Thanks so much for having me. It was so fun. No problem. Thank you for coming. We love when we have someone on here and we don't have to talk to ourselves, but you're 
wonderful. And hopefully we can have you on another time if we that would be great. have another season. Yeah. We'll see. Everybody yeah. listening, let us know if you want another season. We can talk about AI a year after it's been oh. super popular, maybe. Who knows what will be the thing then? I'm sure it'll be something else. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope everyone has a good rest of their week. Thank you for listening. And see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.